Hi angels, welcome back to another episode of The Many Versions of You. I'm your host, Rachel, and today's episode is about the two yous. So let's get into it. I'm pulling resources from a few different authors, a few different articles, a few different books. So I'm going to be tying a lot of different schools of thought into this, but basically... It is said that there are two yous. There is the upper level you, which is the logical you, and then there's the lower level you, which would be the subliminal emotional you. The two yous is a mental model that represents your emotional and rational dimensions, which are simultaneously at play. There is a lot of different ways that we could say this. There is the logical you versus the emotional you. The conscious you versus the subconscious you. The IQ, which would be the intellectual you, versus the EQ, which is the emotional you. Like I said, the higher level and the lower level. The heart versus the brain. The visible you versus the real you. We could even say it's a Spock versus Kirk kind of energy. Reality versus illusion. There's a lot of different ways to sort of bring this point across. Basically, we are intellectually wired one way and emotionally wired another. Leonard Moldeno, who is an author, he's written a book called Subliminal and he has a newer book out called Emotional, has said that our emotions, not just our rational thoughts, are often running the show. Neuroscience research shows that the role that our feelings play, often subconsciously, in affecting our behaviors. So no matter how rational or objective we might think we're being, we're always under the influence of how happy or sad or anxious that we are. He says that you can't even say that emotions are separable from logical thinking. It all happens together. But your two yous are fighting to control you. So it is really important to figure out which you you're addressing in a particular moment. Okay, so in his book, Principles, Ray Dalio talks about System 1 and System 2 thinking, which was originally named by psychologists Keith Stanovich and Richard West. System 1 thinking is fast. System 2 thinking is slow. It's Basically, metaphors for the two different ways in which we make daily decisions. Psychologist Daniel Kahneman has a book called Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. And basically, it's system one, which is thinking fast, is your intuitive and automatic thoughts. So for instance, If we were going to apply this to a math equation, what's 2 plus 2? The answer is 4. That is system 1 thinking. What is 
13 divided by 3, that's a little more complicated. That's system 2 thinking. That's slower. Your brain's going to have to do a lot more processing than the automatic system 1 thinking. Once you understand how your logical you and your emotional you fight with each other, you can imagine what it's like when your two yous deal with other people and their own two thems. It's a mess. Our lower level selves are kind of like attack dogs. They want to fight even though our higher level selves are trying to figure things out. It can be very confusing because you and the people that you're dealing with typically aren't even acknowledging these lower level versions of yourselves. Never mind the fact that they're trying to hijack our behaviors. Most people aren't even self-aware enough to understand the subconscious and conscious versions of themselves that are in a state of tension with each other. You can even actually see when the different parts of a person's brain are arguing with one another. For example, when someone gets angry with himself, his prefrontal cortex is sparring with his amygdala or other lower level parts of his brain. So what tends to happen when you're having a disagreement with someone and they ask you to explain your thinking because you are so programmed to view such challenges as attacks, you get angry, even though it would be more logical for you to be interested in the other person's perspective, especially if they are intelligent. When you're trying to explain your behavior, oftentimes your explanations aren't making sense, and that's because your lower level you is trying to speak through your upper level you. So how can you apply this to your life to help you? You might decide to revisit a decision later because you know you're in a certain emotional state. Like a prime example is going grocery shopping when you're hungry. You're obviously not using your logical brain. You're using your emotional brain because they have actually proven that hunger is an emotion. So... Yeah, it's things like as simple as just connecting to yourself and staying in touch with your emotional self and having emotional intelligence, not just staying in a rational state of thinking. Because even though you think that you are coming from it at a objective perspective, you're not. There's a popular yoga teacher named Judith Hansen Lasseter who has articulated this concept very well. How human of me. So maybe even just softening your inner dialogue, the way that you're not only not only the words that you're using to speak to yourself, but the energy and language of how you're speaking to yourself and the intention behind it of your inner dialogue, your inner critic, 
remind yourself how human of me I allowed my lower level self to rule my upper level self how human of me it really can soften the harshness that you want to have for yourself in that moment if you can just sort of be mindful and be gentle and practice self-compassion then that can sort of help that tension of the logical and emotional use on a daily basis. Another quote from Leonard Maldonado is, where we once believed that emotion was detrimental to effective thought and decisions, we now know that we can't make decisions or even think without being influenced by our emotions. This can be empowering to realize that Emotional intelligence is something to really be valued and staying in touch and connected with yourself and your emotions is not only important, but it's necessary. So this concept of the two U's, as I was looking into it, reminded me of the Zodiac and specifically the sign of Gemini. The dual nature of the Gemini character, Gemini is a very versatile creature, and it is said that Geminis can change their entire personality walking from one room to another. It's not accidental that the symbol is represented by the twins, the duality. No one, including you, Gemini, can be sure which twin is going to appear. Gemini, for all their rationality, is an incurable romantic, an idealist, a dreamer, the one subject that continually eludes a Gemini's power of understanding is themselves. Others seem certain of who they are and where they're going. Geminis have that sort of constant duality going on and it really reminds me of this to use concept gemini's are adaptive to their environment so they relate to others moods as though they were their own they take on the character of the company that they're in and respond accordingly so if you're feeling down gemini make sure you're not picking up secondhand vibrations you should be following your intuitive hunches more because they will often extricate you from sticky situations Geminis can be the victim of their own mental processes. It's because they are more mechanical in that than any other zodiac sign. The human mind, epitomized by Mercury, is the planetary ruler of Gemini. And you know what other sign is ruled by Mercury? Virgo. And you know what my sun and rising signs are? Virgo and Gemini. So, yeah, this is all related back to the different versions of me, selfishly. So what does it mean when a sign is ruled by Mercury? It means that you are curious, communicative, and adaptable. But on the negative side, you can also be indecisive, critical, and filled with nervous and anxious energy. Mercury is the messenger planet of communication, coordination, creative expression, and information processing. 
according to Cafe Astrology, Mercury not only rules communication, it represents coordination. Thought processes, ideas, and sensory information from both conscious and unconscious sources all need to be coordinated and understood. Mercury analyzes, sorts, groups, and makes sense of things. How do we handle nervous energy? How do we express and convey our thoughts? How do we approach others and information in order to learn and exchange ideas? It goes on to say, on a personal level, look to Mercury in the chart to reveal how individuals get their point across, how they study, how they process information. Mercury by sign shows an individual's style of communication. By house, Mercury reveals where natives seek to have a voice as well as which areas of life they tend to intellectualize and give a lot of thought to. Mercury colors the planets in aspects with a desire for communication and exchange of information. Similarly, the planet Mercury aspects affect the way an individual communicates. Mercury prominent in a chart points to wit, liveliness, and curiosity. So there's definitely a need for a balance of both views. The intellectual and the emotional are both obviously not only intrinsically linked, but both are there for different reasons and both valuable. So for anyone who ever has said to you, you're being too emotional, I think it is important to stay in balance, but if you're being too logical, that's not good either. It's about finding that happy medium and also just recognizing when you're sort of defaulting to that lower level thinking. And also it's a conversation about staying connected to your intuition and allowing you to have those moments of quick thinking when you need to, especially it's, you know, that primal thinking and those primal urges when you are feeling anxious it is stemming from a fear of being in danger. So anxiety is not always a bad thing and heavy emotions are not to be avoided. It's really just about right time, right place, being really mindful of which you you're sort of inhabiting when you're in a conversation with someone else so that you can be methodical about your language and where you're coming from. And it doesn't have to be such reactive thinking. So it can definitely be helpful to connect with and access your subconscious. There's lots of different ways to do this. And my best advice would be to just start trying things out and see what is effective and what's not effective, what's working, what's successful for you. Because one person's tools and resources are obviously not going to resonate for everyone. But I'll give you a little bit of a list of things that I've sort of compiled and some practices that I have found to be 
helpful and useful to connect to the subconscious version of me. If you want to access your subconscious, you need to tone down the activity in your conscious mind. So this obviously means relax. You need to relax. And meditation is obviously a super, super important tool. But so is just staying creative and journaling. Hypnosis can also be really effective. Dream recollection, so a dream journal or a dream recording app, breathing exercises, positive affirmations, setting intentions, be wise with who you surround yourself with, because obviously other people have an effect on your subconscious, so you need to be surrounding yourself with people who allow you to be a good version of yourself, basically. Another useful tool is time tracking. So write down the start and end time of each of your tasks. And in this way, you can influence your subconscious mind to stop wasting time. Especially, number one thing that comes to my mind would be stay away from your phone, stay away from screens, stay away from social media. That stuff is all having quite an effect on your subconscious mind. So give your subconscious mind more room to breathe and reduce the noise, the outside noise, the external noise as much as possible. Um, In fact, listening to music can be a really effective way to get in touch with an internal inner version of yourself. Listening to binaural beats, which involves playing two tones at different frequencies, can induce certain states of mind. It's been proven that our subconscious mind absorbs information better when we are in a relaxed state, so using binaural beats can trigger alpha brain waves. And obviously, it's important to pay attention to your thoughts and notice your inner critic and... We're not trying to silence that inner critic completely, but more so changing the energy around the way you're speaking to yourself. Not only what you're saying to yourself, but how you're saying it. Talking to yourself the way you would a loved one and radical self-acceptance and self-compassion is a really good starting point because obviously there's a lot deeply rooted in our subconscious brain we're not trying to 180 it we're just trying to access it and start recognizing what it's trying to tell us because the more that you can understand yourself consciously and subconsciously you'll have a better chance of inhabiting the version of yourself that you want to instead of just what comes as a reflex and being less reactive to those around you. Psychologists recognize the subconscious as the source of creativity, intuition, inspiration, inner knowing, 
interconnectedness and spiritual enlightenment. When we access and spend time within the subconscious, we are released from the confines of our logical, practical mind. The messages that we receive from our dreams and the primordial symbols or archetypes handed down to us from our ancestors inform us about what is unique, authentic, and sacred to each of us. When we heed these messages, we are following the path of our soul's evolution. The point of this is to think in a different way in a new way, in a more flexible and open-minded way, because it's really only going to allow you to evolve and grow and to have less tension between all the versions of you. And on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up. I really enjoyed this episode and I hope you did too. I also got a lot of really positive feedback on my episode last week about babies developing personality in utero. I am so glad that you guys are liking these more science-y, research-y ones because I feel like neuroscience is a huge passion of mine and the overlap between creativity and neuroscience is really where I feel like I light up. So let me know if you enjoyed today's episode. Please share it with a friend. Please rate, review, subscribe. Follow me on Instagram at PrincessPowdy or at the many versions of you. Thank you so much for listening and supporting and sharing the episodes with anyone who you think will dig them. And yeah. Thank you again. I really cherish this little community. So hope you're having a great Friday or whenever you're listening to this. Enjoy yourself and cheers to whatever version of you you're living right now. Bye, y'all.